0: Welcome to the Michigan Bow Hunters Podcast, the voice of Michigan's hunting archer. Now, here's your host, Bill Hoffman. Welcome back to another episode of the Michigan Bow Hunters Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Hoffman, and this week is a. Well, let's say a continuation of what we had in our last episode However, we only got one guest So if you remember on our last episode It was uh, recorded live at the 2023 MBH rendezvous Where I had a bunch of members come up And we talked about hunting and Michigan bow hunting And their love for the MBH And of course, uh When you think about MBH currently, or as we're going to find out, over the last 70 years, you can't not think about the guy that I have on today's show, Jerry Keck. You know, (sighs) Jerry Keck's an important man for a lot of different reasons. And as you listen to this interview I did with him, you're going to laugh and you're going to realize the great respect I have for him and everything he's done for MBH. And I do blow a little smoke up his rear end if you say I do compliment him because I believe in celebrating excellence. I always have. If some, Even when it comes to athletics and sports as a coach, as an umpire, as a competitor, if someone else protrudes or extrudes excellence, I tell them that. If I go to a restaurant and I see very, very well-behaved children, I will compliment the parents. I believe in celebrating excellence, and that's what this episode is all about. I didn't include Jerry's interview in last the last episode only because it's a, it's longer. Which is no surprise to anyone that knows Jerry Keck. Um, But I felt it deserved its own episode. Because Jerry Keck, he should be my co-host on this show. Of course, it'd be a lot different show. That's how the joke goes, because he's long-winded. But... I was on the edge of my chair, literally. And as we're filming, or as we were recording this, a little behind the scenes information here with us. As we were recording this interview, it's getting dark. Well, it started at dusk and it went well into dark and I had flip-flops on and shorts on, and I was donating blood to the mosquitoes at the Clare County Fairgrounds. Jeez, oh, Pete's, I got lit up. My And there's nothing worse than a, is there anything worse than a mosquito bite on your toes? It's just, oh, the, the tight skin, and the, it just itches, and I digress, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I couldn't, I didn't want to stop talking to him because I knew there's just a wealth of information. So I promise you this. I promise you this. Uh, good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Our paths will cross again. And I will do another episode with Jerry because I'm sure there's a boatload or a quiver full, I should say, a quiver full of stories that we just didn't get time to get to. So... With that, no further ado, we're going to hop in and hear from one of our sponsors here at MBH and then roll right into that interview with Jerry Keck. Thanks for checking out the episode, everyone, and don't forget to leave a review. That's very important. Whatever app you're listening to, leave us a five-star review. What that does is it plops us farther out into the algorithm so that people that are searching for hunting related content especially in michigan the computers will automatically link them up with us that means they'll listen to our show and hopefully that means they will join and become members of the michigan bowhunters association This episode of the Michigan Bow Hunters Association podcast is brought to you by the Great Northern Bow Hunting Company. They design and build every bow with you in mind and with respect for a long and noble hunter-gatherer lineage we are all connected to. They build hunting bows and their bows are designed to make you the very best bow hunter you can be. For more information on the Great Northern Bow Hunting Company, check out their website, gnbco.com. That's the Great Northern Bow Company. gnbco.com.
1: So, how long have you been doing this, Bill? I've never met you. I know your
0: name well, and thank you. I believe we. No flashlight. Turn the light off. Thank you. That's Hunter, my son. Oh, (laughs) nice to meet you, Hunter. So um, we are about four months into the podcast. And so 10 episodes is basically what we've done. Or 12. No, we've done 12 episodes. And I publish one about every other week. We just talk about Michigan bow hunting and the organization and everything. And the the long-running joke in each episode, has been, you gotta have Jerry on, <laughs> and you better set aside six hours. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
0: so, geez. that is who I have here, Mr. The, the Man, The Myth, The Legend, Jerry Keck. <laughs> He's uh, stepping into the podcast studio for the very first time. Thank you for coming over to talk to me.
1: Gee, and I was only looking for my son-in-law.
0: Yeah, I know they—they they really well. You found him, and he left. Yeah, and he left. He—he he was here. Uh, we had—we had, we had a, a good laugh. Tom was telling us about, uh, you know, being your son-in-law and and how he had met your daughter, and six months later they were getting married, and he how he, it all obviously worked out, and all these years later. But uh, we talked about him, and this is the first rendezvous that Tom had been to in quite a few years. I have a feeling yeah. that you. Haven't missed quite a few rendezvous over the years, have you?
1: I have missed a number. Uh, I think the last time I was at a rendezvous was when they were in uh, Gladwin.
0: Okay. But so I
1: my wife's family reunion in Wisconsin is always the same weekend.
0: Ah. Oh, okay. Year, this
1: year we they we didn't have to go to the family reunion, so yeah. so I'm here. Ha, you and know, it's good to be good to be here among many old friends
0: i love it yeah i we were discussing that really with the michigan bow hunters especially for me now i've been around mbh since the joe uh, joe vincent days when i was my son hunter's age um when they all the events were out at land of lakes bowman because you know joe was a, the president out there at the time and then um so, for me to grow up over the years in the organization, I've really realized that it's more about the who than almost it is about the what, and you can really build lifelong friendships through MBH.
1: That's true. That's very true. I, yep, it's a it's a, it's a home away from home. That's always there.
0: So um, when when did you get involved? Roughly with the Michigan Bow Hunters.
1: I joined Michigan Bow Hunters in 1967 after moving here from Wisconsin.
0: Wow! So I I know a little bit of history, and I know that we're the Michigan Bow Hunters is the second oldest bow hunting organization. Those boys where you came from across the lake beat That's us out, and I we're number one. Yep. And they beat us only by a year or two. It was pretty yes. pretty close, right? And still,
1: they have a very large membership, very large and loyal membership excellent and, and uh, still a lot of good people over there um, but Michigan is uh, well I should when I left to come over here Wisconsin was the number one bow hunting state right I have a good friend that works for the that worked he was a deer specialist for the Michi- for the Wisconsin DNR okay and he's also an avid bow hunter and he said after i moved to michigan uh, and then michigan became the number one state <laughs> <laughs> so it's all your i'm f- not sure that that's it's just that it's just that dear the deer population here grew right exponentially and, and uh, that but michigan has a when i moved to michigan we had a three we had three week bow season
0: wow i can that's
1: the year that i the year that I came over here, I was shocked to find out they only had a three-week bow season. Wisconsin had, has had a three-month bow season as long as I can remember, as long as I was a bow hunter in Wisconsin. And interestingly, the year I moved here, they ex- extended the the season in southern Michigan okay. to 76 days. Just on a trial, to see how right. it worked? And then the following year, they they made it statewide. So I got it was it's um, actually Michigan has got better bow hunting than Wisconsin's got.
0: I've never, in my, I've never in my opinion. never hunted Wisconsin, but I know that they have a culture similar to ours when yes. it comes to deer hunting overall. You know the the, the camps and. And I, and, I, and I believe, you know, things may have changed. Obviously, you've been here a few years, but um, I know in Wisconsin, like deer, like getting together for a deer drive is like a a, a real big thing. And I, you know, that's obviously gun hunting, not bow hunting. I, I've never, you know, there there. Are, basically, what I'm trying to say is there are some differences, but um, if you look at the regulations across, it seems like Wisconsin and Michigan are are, are pretty close when it comes to deer hunting regulations as well. And I would, I'd be willing to bet that's because of organizations like ours.
1: Yes, no, no question about it. Uh, bow hunters have always worked with, the, have worked, been more inclined to work with the DNR. Uh, I think bow hunters are better educated as far as understanding what the DNR does. Mm-hmm. And I know Michigan bow hunters has had a long working relationship with the DNR, and we've did some we've done some interesting things together and it's a lot a lot of the uh, there were quite a few of the charter members of Michigan bow hunters that were also members of the Michigan DNR like Aunt Andy Ammon who was. Uh, he was one of the, he was the upland game bird specialist. Okay. Andy was the first non non-Native American to shoot a turkey in Michigan with a bow and arrow. Really? Yes. And I had the pleasure of spending a lot of time hunting with Andy and catching an abandoned woodcock with him. And he was a super guy. Yep.
0: All right. I got to, I don't want to interrupt you too much. How in the world do you catch a woodcock?
1: With a, with a no, I said a turkey. Oh, oh, oh to catch him, catch a woodcut. Yeah, and he developed a technique. Okay, using a pointing bird dog. All right, he had English setters that would sense. point point birds in the fall when they could hunt, but he also had to get got them to point the broods in the spring. And then he would approach. He would watch the watch the bird, watch the dog, and and. You, if you looked, you could spot the, eventually spot the eye of the woodcock. Oh, okay. Their their foliage, their their feathers match the ground cover in the spring so well that they're almost impossible mm-hmm. to see. But Andy said, you look for the eye. Look for the eye, and you spot them. Well, then he would the the hen would be frozen with the brood. And they never have more than four chicks. Oh, really? See, I, and, didn't, I didn't know that. And he would—he had this big, long-handled musky fishing net, and he would lower the net over the hen until she flushed into the net, and he would capture her. And then the little ones just stayed right there and. Band them. So he would ca- band them and age them, and and then he had another technique that he developed where you would you dizzy the hen, put her put your, her head under her wing and then dizzy her. Okay. So she would and then would put her back on the ground and she would be with the chicks. So it wasn't a traumatic thing for the hen when they left. Oh, when she woke okay. up the chicks were right there with her and and he spent a lot of time going around to other states teaching biologists this technique. And it's been very successful.
0: That's incredible.
1: And it was really a really a bright spot in my in my life in the outdoor world, is with working with Andy on that. And, well, actually, I wasn't working with him. I was just kind of tagging along.
0: Yeah, there's worse, worse people to learn from, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so he was. Andy was a heck of a guy. Yeah. He 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 shot three turkeys in, with with a bow, but all three of them he shot while still hunting, stalking. Oh wow! And I—that was the only—that was how I started turkey hunting. I had a lot of fun. I saw a lot of turkeys, but they usually all saw me first. <laughs> and then when I started hunting out of a tent or a blind, yep, it just it—I I was successful at getting turkeys, but it wasn't near as much fun as it was. I could before. not agree.
0: <laughs> could not agree more. <laughs>
1: I, Yeah, it was, uh, hunting with Andy was really a treat, really a treat for me, and,
0: yeah. Well, thank you for for sharing that story. So, when it it comes to hunting, uh, have you always been just a bow hunter? Do you enjoy firearms hunting as well? Uh, What's your uh, preferred method?
1: I'm a bow hunter. Okay. I've I've only taken uh, maybe a dozen deer with firearms over the years, Mm -hmm. and... Bow hunting is my passion. that's it's the fire still burns, even though I'm having a trouble with my mobility, right. At 89, I still the fire still burns, and I just can't wait till season opens.
0: <laughs> so will we find you on October first out there hunting?
1: Uh, absolutely,
0: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I didn't have any doubts, <laughs> but uh, unless I,
1: it's raining, I don't hunt in the rain.
0: I understand that, yeah. <laughs> but also, I don't think you're climbing any trees nowadays, right?
1: No, I use ladder stands today.
0: Okay. Still at 89 years old, you're yep. still going to climb up in a ladder stand. Ladder
1: stands are are safe. Uh, I use a tether. Yep. And and uh, there, are, I've never have not even had a close shave on out of a ladder stand.
0: Excellent. Now, are you a uh, are you a traditional guy? Traditional
1: Com- guy. I was traditional before traditional became cool.
0: You were traditional when traditional was just called bow hunting.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when all bows, when all bows were long bows and all arrows were were cedar.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. So I, I have to ask you this, just just based on your age, uh, did you ever have a chance to rub shoulders with any of like our founding members of their, like a, like a Fred Bear or? A yes,
1: I I've met and talked to Fred Bear a number of times, uh, and other other uh, old timers. Uh, oh, let's see, who do I? Fred Bear is the only one I think that I. There just were so many people out there that were uh, well, in Michigan bow hunters. Lauren Willie, okay? He was the bear guy. He was the guy that got me interested in bear hunting. Uh, Dave Arnold, who was also worked for the DNR. I hunted with Dave a few times. Uh, they're all gone now, let's see. Uh, uh, Hewitt Gall, who was the Governor of District Three. Uh, Hewitt was a Hewitt was a bowhunter extraordinaire, and his wife Liz was the editor of Michigan Bowhunter News for ages. Just uh, let's see, who were some of the others that I knew? Um, uh, Pretty much Buchanan. Everybody uh, that's anybody yeah. in the history of Michigan bowhunting. Well, bow hunting. I just. My, my old, my old mind is saturated like an old hard drive, you know. It, it's just, <laughs> it, uh, another member, uh, that I, uh, Michigan bowhunter member that I know, of, uh, from Buchanan, Michigan was, oh gosh, I can't think of his name right now. Just super guy. Just.
0: Well, it may come to you in a minute. Um, I want to take you down a little bit of a, a different road. How did you get to start in the outdoors? Was it a family thing? Did you you said it's your passion? Did someone provide you with this passion, or did it just light no, inside it, you?
1: It 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 happened. I was all, all I was born in a hunting family. Both okay. my dad and my mom hunted. My dad worked for the Wisconsin DNR. He built fire lookout towers in the summertime, and the, in the other times of the other other. Parts of it. When he wasn't building fire towers, he was part-time game warden and did other jobs for the DNR. And, and because my dad was so busy in the summertime, when we lived on a lake, I didn't get to learn anything about fishing from my dad, because he was gone most of the time. My mother's dad lived just down the road and so he became my fish fishing mentor okay but he taught me a lot more than fishing he taught me how to make slingshot and and a, a number of other things uh outdoor skills how to how to use an axe how to split wood just and how to how to capture a hornet's nest without getting stung things like that <laughs> all the important stuff yeah in how life. to catch how to trap muskrats and uh, the slingshot led me to bow hunting.
0: Oh, th- which makes sense. That's uh, you know, they're kind of cousins. I could see. You're good. I'm just gonna try to turn this brightness down. Well, my
1: that we had a neighbor that was a bow hunter, and back in the nineteen early nineteen forties. Bow hunters were scarce. They, they would, and this this fellow was a friend of my dad's, and he would come over, and my dad, being a deer hunter, he would come over, and he would tell my dad what bow hunting was like. Okay. And I was just entranced. <laughs> he would talk about sneaking up on a deer, stalking the deer, and he said it would get, you'd get close, just, and he said you'd. You get all choked up. You couldn't hardly breathe, and you were shaking. And I thought, Gee, that's just like hunting chipmunks with a slingshot. I got okay. the same thing. So when I, got, when I got older and and I had a paper out, I bought a longbow, an old Hickory longbow. And I found out that the aiming system for the slingshot was exactly the same for a longbow.
0: Yeah, shooting instinctive. And, and I... Yep.
1: I Nobody ever nobody taught me how to shoot. It just I just it just carried over. All right. And I was a pretty good shot with a slingshot.
0: Now there I don't know of a better American outdoorsman story than I bought my first bow with my paper route money. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that, that is yeah. so that's poetic license right there, sir. That's that's about as red, white and blue and camouflage as it gets.
1: And it was it was all, it, it, it was it was such a thrill to shoot a bow and watch your arrow hit what you were aiming at. It just yeah, and it just it grew. And, I, and the first my dad in 1949, my dad says, "Well, you can go deer hunting with you. You can go deer hunting this year." Okay, I was 16, and he said, "Okay, you can use your Ma's shotgun." Okay, but he didn't know that I already had a Forty-five pound Ben Pearson longbow on layaway at the local sporting goods store. All right. <laughs> and I remember when I picked up, I had to skip my my eighth my eighth hour class, and I was a sophomore in high school. I skipped my eighth hour class to go down to the hardware store, get down to the sporting goods store, and pick up my bow.
0: All right.
1: And from there home was two miles. I had to would have had to hike two miles. And I know if I w- if I went back to school and caught the school bus then I would I had to I had to go along with all the ridicule because nobody in their right minds in 1949 hunted with a hunted deer with a longbow.
0: it was unheard of it was no. ineffective it yeah was. it
1: just yeah I had to endure the torment of my my <laughs> my school buddies. <laughs> but if I walked home, I wouldn't get there in time to go rabbit hunting.
0: Well, there is the truth. Yeah. Well, you know, if you uh, too bad there wasn't a bunch of hunting grounds between school and home, you could have just walked no, home. It was just,
1: two miles of two miles of city. Yeah, you and couldn't then, have shot your way home. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you might have been out of arrows by the time you got back, but that yeah
1: that uh, that was that old that old lemonwood longbow shot pretty well for me. I never shot a deer. It took me 13 years to get my first deer. But we hunted the way our fathers did. We hunted, we still hunted. Right. And I always got to see deer, but most of them had seen me first.
0: Yeah, you saw a lot of white tails. A lot you, of white literally tails. Literally the tails, right?
1: Yeah. And my father, he pest tormented me unmercifully. Trying to, uh, I, I must have failed someplace. My kid's out there trying to kill a deer with a sharp stick, and he just <laughs> pestered me all the time. And this went on for a number of years, but in 1962, I got lucky. I <laughs> I met the dumbest buck in the woods. He walked up, almost as if he walked up and hey, your name Keck. And he stood there and let me shoot. And I missed him with the first arrow, and I got him in the second one. There
0: you go. <laughs> well, you know, they always say it's better to be lucky than good, sir.
1: And my, that's the only deer that I ever got that made Pope and Young.
0: Was the first one. First one. Wow. <laughs> so, what did he score?
1: Uh, one, one eighteen and something. It was there you go. When the that was back when Pope and Young score was one fifteen was the right. And that was he was one one eighteen and something,
0: but. And this would have been in Wisconsin, right?
1: Was this was in Wisconsin, and my dad. Never sent another another set of didn't he was pretty proud, although he didn't mention it to me when when I I shot him on the December first, and I came home at Christmas time and I brought the head along to show my dad and he said well that's not that's not an old deer, and then my ma told me she said you you should hear your father, to hear him tell a story about you getting that deer, he was standing right there beside you when you did it.
0: <laughs> you know, whenever someone says, "Well, he ain't too old," I go, "He ain't having no more birthdays." Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's that's right. And that, but that had to been the most unlucky buck ever. And it's and it to get picked off by a rookie like that. But
0: you're not a rookie at 13 years no more. <laughs>
1: well, but I was still had a lot. To, I still had a lot to learn. I had yet to learn that the deer travel from feeding to cover okay. by using trails. Right. I was. And I was hunting on Hork- in Horicon Refuge, Wildlife Refuge, which is a very similar to our Shiawassee Refuge. Okay. And there was a lot of people in there stirring the deer up and kicking them around. And this one was sneaking away from someplace else, somebody else, and he walked right up to me.
0: <laughs> so let me ask you this, to, to kind of wrap this up as I'm getting eaten a lot, I'm giving my blood oh, donation oh my gosh, to the local man. mosquitoes here. Uh what a beautiful night, though, right? Beautiful. It's a beautiful yes, night beautiful. here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's say you bump into someone at a restaurant, and they ask you why Michigan bow hunters. What's your answer for that?
1: Why Michigan bow hunters?
0: Why should they join? I don't need to join. I can. I can still hunt. Uh, you know. Why? Why should someone join MBH? Because
1: Michigan bow hunters is the voice of Michigan's hunting archer and Michigan bow hunters does a lot of things to promote and defend bow hunting so you can hunt
0: I don't think there's a better answer than that we are the voice of Michigan's bow hunting archer uh, and if if you don't do it not you obviously but if you the, the person listening to this that's not a member if you if you don't do it someone else what am i trying to say here jerry it it's got to be done so it might as well be done by the per, by the people that have the passion that matches our passions mm-hmm. and so i think if you're asking why michigan bowhunters you've already answered it for yourself because you care
1: yes and michigan bowhunters is a great organization the, the members are a special breed of people and they're it's just like a big family just like a big family, and we've always got great these great stories to tell each other.
0: Yeah, and in, in, this isn't going to be the last time I have you on the show. I promise you that. It Maybe even tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, uh, you, I can say, of anyone, so like I said, we've done a dozen episodes or, or by now. Of anyone's name, if we counted like the people's names that pop up the most when I'm doing these interviews, you're up there. People mention you a lot, sir. Fam-
1: famous or inf- infamous? <laughs> oh no,
0: definitely, definitely infamous. No, no, I'm well, teasing.
1: We we have a lot of mischief. We have a lot of fun because there's a lot of it. We like mischief too, and so we're always trying to uh, use it. Like they steal my cane on me, <laughs> or my hat. They stole my hat. They. And they sent it. It was used as a traveling hat for many years. <laughs> and it's been all over the world.
0: Not the same one you're wearing right now? No. No.
1: No, no. This, is, this is just my geezer hat.
0: Okay. But they, they, so they took one of your hats and they used took it as a tra- traveling hats, trophy, huh?
1: Made a traveling... And every year they'd auction it off at the banquet.
0: Oh, that's so and fun.
1: They, and and it, it's it been... Oh, I, I took it to Norway one year. I went, my wife is is Norwegian and we took it to Norway and did a big tour and we had uh, people wear that hat the uh, their natives in in uh, <laughs> in uh, Norway the bus driver the tour guide yeah and, and we stopped at this Lillehammer at a hotel in Lillehammer where the 1994 Olympics were Yes at. they were they still had this ski jump up and it was our last night there and just as we were leaving these fellows came in he says oh come on he says we we want to buy you a drink so they had this they had a drink that was made i don't know what was in it but it was this this is see if you're see if you can pass the viking test (laughs) so they and my wife was there with me so we each had this drink and down the hatch. And I was laughing, and I strangled and coughed and coughed, and they got a big kick up me. He says, no, nah, your wife passed the your Vikings passed the test, and you flunked. Yeah,
0: you're just. Yeah. But yeah. it was a,
1: what a beautiful country. But I wore the hat, and several of the guys there wore the hat and got their picture taken. Did you tell them, so.
0: I'm, I'm from Michigan. The Vikings are from Minnesota.
1: Yeah, the Vikings are from Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they all wear purple. What do you yes. want from me? Well, <laughs> I didn't
1: think of that. I didn't. I didn't think of that. <laughs> Not but, in the
0: moment, right?
1: Oh, these guys were. They, but what a beautiful country! But you can't bow hunt in Norway.
0: No, no. Nope.
1: Unfortunately,
0: they don't have Michigan bow hunters over there. Yes. That's why they don't have people like us that are yeah. passing the torch.
1: Beautiful country, though. I I always wanted to, after learning about Norway from high school or grade school geography class. I always wanted to go to Norway, and then I married this Norwegian girl, and I ended up going over there on this tour. and It's it is absolutely the most beautiful country, and the people are are beautiful, just Mm. wonderful, friendly, helpful. Excellent. And it's I always wanted to go back and take the as a there's a, uh, a boat tour that goes up the coast from Bergen up to Kirkenes and up almost to the Russian border. Right. You take this boat and they visit all the little coastal towns and then you come back to Bergen on a train.
0: Oh. And
1: it's that I think would was would be a great great tour. to Take. Yeah. And it's a small it's a small boat and, and it's uh, would be I'd like to do that. So, I'm not sure I'll be, I'm going to, uh, that'll happen, but I, I would like to.
0: Well, you know, God willing and the creek don't rise is what they say. So, so let me let me wrap wrap up this interview with this. When it comes to hunting in the great outdoors, do any of your hunts, and they don't necessarily even have to be where you, you harvested something, but is there any hunt in your mind or in your heart that stands out as one of the most memorable or your favorite? In particular?
1: Yes, my first elk hunt.
0: Okay. Would you mind sharing that story with us?
1: I would be ha- happy to. Uh, my good friend Jim Head, who just recently passed away, took me elk hunting out into Colorado. And we were in Unit 12 where we had to park, we, we we parked a camper in the, the trailhead, and we had to walk five miles up
0: to you, the flat tops. You earned that one.
1: And... Jim was used to doing that. He'd hunted out there for years, and but I had, I hadn't. uh, I I went out there with Jim a few years earlier. Took me mule deer hunting. Okay. And but the elk hunting was really, really a challenge because of the altitude, and and we get up at three o'clock in the morning and hike five miles to get up to the flat tops by daylight.
0: Now, you may have said this, I'm sorry, Colorado, correct?
1: Colorado, okay, yes. Okay, all right. Yeah. Unit 12, unit 12. Unit 12, the, the best elk hunting. And we we were there for 10 days. And in those 10 days, I saw uh, 15 or 16 bull elk. Okay. I had shooting opportunity at three of them. I didn't bring one back. And then after... While we were there, we we just we learned from one of the, from the one of the DNR guys that visited our camp that there was a screw up in the issuing of the tags that year, and that there was a computer follow up that resulted in tags being issued to people that shouldn't have got them. Well, Jim Head and I were two of those people.
0: Really? So you so you had
1: <laughs> it was. It was incredible that that there was nobody up there but Jim and I hunting. Wow. And in we, that unit. We saw, elk, a- we saw elk every day. And for no rookie ever has as much no rookie ever had as much fun elk hunting as I did on that elk hunt. And I remember the last evening I had these two six by sixes come into this water hole and Jim had already shot his elk. And we, and he's, here's this bull elk standing out there in his wallow, 25 yards away, like a park cement truck. They're just huge. And I'm thinking, we had to leave the next day by by noon because his wife had a doctor's appointment back here in Michigan. Okay. And I'm thinking, if I shoot an elk, we have to pack this off, the, we have to pack this critter off of this mountain tonight in the dark. There were parts of me that didn't look forward to that. I missed elk. I shot right over the top. Oh. <laughs> but still, that is the most fascinating hunt I was ever on. That, And it, you don't have to be successful to have a fantastic hunt and yeah. that that will remain and, and the next time I went out there with him, the weather was terrible and I, I saw three elk and it was rained four times a day it was just right completely different than the first time so I was very lucky to have that first hunt
0: now I, I know I had promised you just one more story but have you since then been able to get an elk
1: no 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 I shot one in Michigan with a rifle uh, in, in while I came, I was went to went to Alaska in 1997, hunting caribou. There were six Michigan bow hunters members, six of us, okay. in a drop camp. And we all were successful. We had a super outfitter up there, kept you where the animals were. And, and
0: do you remember any of the guys that were with you? Yes. So it was uh. uh I think I may have seen these pictures before. John Wensley. Yep. Ron uh, Ron Pitsley.
1: No, not no? Ron Pitsley. Um, uh, the Shefka Shefka brothers, uh, uh, Rick and uh, his younger brother uh, Shefka. Shefka uh, why can't I remember
0: names? Must have been must have been a different picture. I, I'd come across some pictures looking through some old archives. Yeah, Jim of,
1: Head. Jim Head and I and the Shefkut brothers, John Wensley didn't go. John Wensley was going to go, but something happened that he couldn't. He set it all up for us. Okay. And when I got back, we we all got elk. We When I got home, in my whole mail was my Michigan elk license.
0: So you were up caribou hunting, you get home, and you I get a, a <laughs> elk license. From
1: Michigan. <laughs> I was I shot a turkey that year too with the ball. Well, right. so hey, you know, bl- blind squirrel, yes, sunshine's yes, yes, on the dog's
0: squirrel. butt, all that, you know.
1: And I had a was very fortunate that uh, I drew the area that Can- Canada Creek that Can- that Canada Creek Lodge, Canada Creek Ranch was in for my elk area. Okay. And I I know Larry Birch there. And Larry says if you ever get a if you ever draw elk license for this area, let me know, and uh, I, I guide for you. Well, that happened. No. <laughs> and I hunted with I hunted with a, my the bow that I had taken to, to Alaska. For three days, I had a cow tag. If I'd have had a bull tag, it'd have been all over the first morning. I, oh, really? I had elk so close, <laughs> <laughs> bull elk, and I couldn't shoot them. And every day the the does got that the cow elk were got more skittish. So on the fourth morning, one of the guys from the ranch said, "Hey, look, we know you appreciate you trying to get a, get an elk with a bow, but we also want to kill. We want to get, We got th- we got to shoot three cows. Okay. If you don't have a rifle, we've got one. We'd like you to use. Well, I brought one along then. So I I shot that." shot that elk with a rifle and it was that was a great that was a great hunt but and uh, but it just i still would like to shoot an elk with a bow
0: i can't blame you there but it
1: wasn't i got i don't mean that it's i had a good time on that yeah hunt.
0: no i understand
1: and i used the rifle that i built myself but we've some we, years
0: earlier but we've said this bow hunting is your passion yes right so to not get one with your bow doesn't necessarily fulfill the same passion as it does when you kill one with a rifle. They still taste as good. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And elk, <laughs> an
1: elk is oh, definitely a choice. Choice eating.
0: My favorite is moose. Elk is right up yeah, there.
1: I, I've never, I've never been moose hunting with a bow. I, I wanted to, but it was never like. There were guys at land lakes. Where Joe Burgess, the story Joe Burgess told, that uh, when I was editor for MBH News, he told a story about his bottoms-up bull that he shot up there, that he, it ran into the lake and submerged, and and he <laughs> didn't know what he was going to do with this. He saw his moose go out of sight. And he jumped in the boat and paddled out there, and then the moose come to the surface. <laughs> come, back, come back to the surface. It was dead, though, right? It was dead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was dead. Yeah. The, the zombie yeah. moose. Yeah. yeah. So was, I know Joe Burgess real Joe, well. Joe's a swell guy. Got I'm going to
0: have to get him on here, and we're going to yes, have to tell Joe, the bottoms Joe up moose. Joe would be a
1: good... Joe makes him. He made some footage shafts for me. Just g- beautiful woodworker.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's... And not uh, just
1: arrows, but a lot... He's got a lot of cl- a lot of talent for w- working with wood.
0: Ah, uh, yes. There's a lot around O'Lakes Bowman, which is my home club, that has the the signs of Joe Burgess's woodwork, and I do believe Mike Burgess did all the electrical work there. So, uh, you know, we would did, we yeah. wouldn't have the clubhouse that we have if it wasn't for the Burgess boys.
1: That's a great. That's a great club. I've been shot that course. Many times, but my old legs won't let me climb those mountains anymore.
0: We got some hills there.
1: Yes,
0: we don't have the hills. Great that,
1: range, great we out.
0: We don't have the hills that Oakland County has. Well, you let me. Know. Oakland County's got one hill. They just drag your butt up and down it seven times. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when uh you know when you talk about Lando Lakes, you can really see how the glaciers came through and carved that property. Uh, um you know we we find. We find areas where the boulders are just the size of basketballs, and there's 100,000 of them all along one ridge, and you're just, you know, just the good Lord put it there, and then the glaciers came through and moved it. We're very blessed. We're very blessed to have that club. But speaking of blessed, let me tell you this from the bottom of my heart. This is, I believe we met one time at a banquet very briefly that Ken Skolak introduced me to you, very briefly, a couple years ago. Um... This is a big deal for me to sit down with you, um, just as it would be if, you know, for a young man to maybe meet, you know, his, uh, you know, a Fred Bear or, you know, any other quote unquote celebrity. And I'm not I'm not saying you're a celebrity, Jerry, but what what I'm saying is thank you. Thank you for the years of dedication to something, to this passion that I have to this passion that I am passing along to my children who are here with me. You have made a difference in my life. And this is the first time we've met. And I just want you to know that it's been important and it's been worthwhile. And I want to thank you for that.
1: Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here and visiting with you and telling some old stories. And it just... Bow hunting is is so special. It draws special people like yourself. I don't remember meeting you. It was very I, it was
0: very brief. It was a handshake. That
1: okay, that, that well, that's all. And Land Lakes a great club. I I miss I miss being able to get down there as often.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally understand, but like we said, October first. I know where you're going to be.
1: October first. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I'm. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. I, again. I know. I said thank you and all that, but this has been a, a great episode of the Michigan Bow Hunters Podcast. A very highly requested interview on the Michigan <laughs> Bow Hunters Podcast. I've,
1: I'm flattered. I never considered myself that important. <laughs> you've been. I'm a, not a celebrity. I'm just a guy that loves the game.
0: He loves the game, and you've been a big player in it.
1: That was fun, Bill.
0: Here at the Michigan Bowhunters Association, we have quite a few businesses and organizations that have stepped up and helped us out over the years. The first I'd like to tell you about is the Lost Nation Archery, where traditional archery means personal service. Lost Nation Archery can be reached at one 888 800 again that's one 7880 thank you lost nation archery for always supporting the michigan bowhunters association That was fun, Bill. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Michigan Bowhunters podcast. Please make sure to visit our website at www.michiganbowhunters.com to learn about becoming a member of the Michigan Bowhunters Association.